Thank you very much, Senator Haggerty. Senator Feinstein. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. I'd say to the Senator, it may just not be this woman's fault. Let me read you something from the Los Angeles Times. Um, officials recently announced they were unable to fill about 1,000 temporary firefighter positions and looking to make emergency hires by shortening the onboarding process. As California faces what's expected to be a punishing fire season, only 62% of federal firefighter positions here are filled, according to a source within the agency. Before 2020, nearly all spots nationwide typically would be filled at this time of year, said the source, who requested anonymity to discuss sensitive internal matters. In addition, Roughly a third of all Forest Service fire engines in California are on five-day staffing, meaning there aren't enough crew members to operate them seven days a week. An additional 13% of engines are, quote, downstaffed, end quote, essentially parked because of a lack of firefighters, the source said. So I don't blame this person Something is wrong in the system. Somewhere, somebody's putting a hold on things in the fact that they are disguised, they take the blame, and fire rises throughout my state. I am really concerned about it. Um, the Forest Service has acknowledged challenges in reaching this year's national target of 11,300 firefighters especially in the Pacific Northwest and um, Southwest regions, which include Oregon, Washington, and California. The recruitment and retention problems are in areas, quote, where state and private firefighter wages are out-competing federal firefighter wages, housing costs are not affordable, and positions are in remote locations, the agency said in a statement. Would you support that? Thank you so much for the question, Senator. And I want to commiserate with you on the fires in your state. New Mexico um, had the most devastating wildfire in our state's history recently, and so I understand how devastating that can be, especially when you love your state so dearly. Um, we are working every single day to make sure that we are supportive of the firefighters on the ground, um, raising the pay so that um, they can feel, so they can have um, the, the personal resources they need to, uh, to raise their families. And also, um, uh, certainly, yes, filling those positions. Well, I don't mean to cut you off, mm -hmm. but I have limited time. My understanding is, as far as California is concerned, there are 1,800 federal wildland firefighter vacancies. Is that correct? Um, S Senator, I don't have the specific number, but we're happy to get back with your yes. staff on that. I'm concerned. We have a lot of federal land in California, and a lot is burning. And I need to put 
a real emphasis on this. This is important. Large amounts of, of land. Um, California has 20 million acres of federal forest land in our state. We have to provide the fire services, particularly with lightning and weather changes. So I am really concerned, and I'm not blaming you. I think we have to take a look at what future weather conditions are going to bring about us, about for us, and really see that we have the people in place to deal with those conditions. Right now, in my state, I do not believe we do. So I would like to ask that you participate in an effort to take a look at what has happened in fire-prone areas and see that we have enough coverage uh, to take care of our people and our land. Se Senator, um, nationally, we expect to reach our target hiring goals for wildland firefighters, which is 5,600. Um, I know that we're working every day to fill those um, uh, vacant positions, and you whoa, have whoa. my word Are you that saying you have 5,600 vacant positions? We want 5,600 total personnel, and and so we we will work to, to the make number. Sure we I I just want to stay on this. The number I have been given is 1,800 federal wildland firefighter vacancies. The, the, is that true or false? We're happy to follow up with you on the exact number, um, Senator. Um, we have wildland firefighters both in the Department of the Interior, of course, and, and the, um, the Forest Service, as you mentioned. And um, so we're happy to follow up with you on the exact number of vacancies, but I want you to know that we're working every day to fill those vacancies. Well, this is a big problem, Mr. Chairman. We have a lot of federal land in California, and we also have a lot of fire. Uh, the, the LA uh, Times runs an article, Hellish Fires, Low Pay, Trauma, California's Forest Service Firefighters Face a Morale Crisis. And that's what's happening in the state. Uh, it's, and goes on, California faces what is expected to be a punishing fire season. Only 62% of federal firefighter positions are filled, according to a source within the agency. Before 2020, nearly all spots nationwide typically would be filled at this time of year, said the source, who requested anonymity to discuss sensitive internal matters. You're under oath. Are those figures correct? Senator, I don't have the exact figures, but we will absolutely reach out to your staff as soon as I get back to my office. Well, Mr. Chairman, know. this is World War III for me. I cannot let the state burn and knowing that positions that we passed are not being filled. Uh, Senator, you're, you're absolutely uh, right. There are a tremendous number of vacancies. Uh, the recruitment is very difficult. Uh, I do note that the Interior Department is working towards uh, year-round positions to try to have wildland firefighters be able to do hazardous fuel reductions when they're not fighting fires. Uh, they have uh, implemented the $15 minimum uh, uh, pay, uh, which is uh, helpful but not competitive with the state positions in, in California. Uh, and I'm, I just appreciate that you continuously 
uh, really advocate for this because our western states are burning. We need, we need our firefighters. Let me go on one more. I, I in will. addition, roughly a third of all Forest Service fire engines in California are on five-day staffing, meaning there aren't enough crew members to operate them seven days a week. An additional 13% of engines are downstaffed, essentially parked because of lack of firefighters, the source said. Thank you, Senator, and, and um, we can put into the record and do some follow-up questions, and I really appreciate your bringing attention to this issue. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is the Los Angeles Time, June 14th. Without objection, entered into thank the record. Thank you very much. Thank you. Senator Blunt? Uh, thank you, Chairman, and Secretary, good to have you here today. Um, Congress, a few years ago, mandated that states would have a wildlife action plan. Uh, in our state, in Missouri, we have great outdoor recreation, we have great hunting, we have great fishing. For a long time, one of the oldest and most successful conservation commissions in the country was funded just by hunting and fishing licenses. This, our state added 40 years ago a sales tax for conservation and parks. I, I don't know any state that's done a better job trying to uh, fund its own efforts for conservation but the congressionally mandated state wildlife action plans uh, uh, effort to uh, be sure that we don't have things moved to the endangered species list uh, for that plan to be successful we have more than the, we need more than the amount of money that Missourians have been able to dedicate to that Senator Heinrich and I introduced the Recovering America's Wildlife Act uh, under that act um, Secretary, you'd be in charge of implementing the act, and the act is designed to help for the states to be able to mandate their own state wildlife action plans. How large a role do you see for your department in trying to tell the states what they need to do as opposed to implementing the funding that this act would provide? Thank you, Senator, for the question, and thank you so much um, for your efforts to conserve our country's wildlife. And, um, of course, I feel very um, confident and grateful to my team at Interior because we, we want to be able to work with everyone to make sure that we are achieving our goals. Um, I could say that the Fish and Wildlife Service um, would help uh, prevent the need to list species, for example, um, recover um, while, you know, these species expeditiously. Um, we could amplify partnerships, support conservation on private lands, leverage money, and so forth. Um, so uh, I, I feel that um, one of our strengths at the department is absolutely working uh, with with those local communities, governments, states, and so forth to make sure that we're all achieving the goals that we need to achieve. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the fact that the administration has endorsed the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, and just want to be sure at this hearing we've discussed the topic that the purpose of the act is to help the states fund their own plans. and. Uh, Certainly, Congress gave the authority of the states to mandate that they have a wildlife action plan, and this funding would be used there. Um, there's been some concern that this legislation would empower the Fish and Wildlife Service and increase the authority of the Endangered Species Act. 
I don't think it does either one, but at some point it's very important what you think it does. Do you view this bill as a method of increasing fish and wildlife enforcement activity or more as an opportunity to collaborate with the states to prevent states from being listed where the Endangered Species Act ever has to, has to come into effect if, when the states are doing the job they want to do and they're trying to do? I would take it as the opportunity to assist the states. Um, we feel very strongly that it's the folks on the ground who know their communities far better than we do. And so it, it makes sense that we are working to support the work that they're already doing on the ground and, and see of, of the best assistance and help that we can give. Well, I think uh, at least 49 and at least 49 of the state agencies uh, are uh, in favor of this. There are national associations in favor of this. Uh, I look forward to seeing this bill on the floor sometime between now and the end of this year, hopefully even uh, between now and the end of the fiscal year. Uh, but uh, your, your effort to help with a successful implementation of getting the funds to the states to do what the states have proposed to do under the mandate that Congress has given them would be a very important part of that, and I'm, I'm glad to hear what you had to say today about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Senator. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much, Senator Van Hollen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and um, Madam Secretary, great mm -hmm. to see you and your, you, you and your team here. Uh, you won't be surprised. I'm going to ask you some questions about the Chesapeake Bay, and specifically, I want to thank you um, for your leadership and support and assistance from the National Park Service as we work to establish the Chesapeake National Recreation Area, uh, which would highlight the cultural, historic, and ecological significance of what is a national and natural treasure, uh, the Chesapeake Bay. I'm excited about uh, the ongoing uh, discussions. Um, Congressman Sarbanes and I and other members of the delegation from Maryland and other Virginia as well have been reaching out to stakeholders, um, and we appreciate the uh, technical support that we've received uh, from uh, your team, uh, including uh, Wendy Sullivan, um, of course, uh, the, the director of the Chesapeake Bay uh, Office of the National Park Service. Uh, I, I would just ask you for your continuing commitment to work with us um, as we uh, plan on introducing this legislation. Absolutely. We, we support we support you on this, and, and um, thank you for recognizing that our help is, has been um, our technical assistance has been helpful to you. It has been. And as you know, you've testified to it today. It's in your written remarks, at least, um, that we're all trying to do more with less staffing. Um, so anything you can do to um, fully engage your, your, your team uh, in this effort, we're trying to get this uh, introduced in the coming uh, weeks and, and months. Uh, and again, we appreciate all the efforts. I know that you've got um, staffing vacancies. Uh, in fact, as I understand it, the National Park Service uh, has lost roughly 29% of its staff uh, from 2010 to 2020. Uh, we're talking about thousands of employees. Um, what are your plans uh, to help fill that gap? Let me just give you one other local example. Mm -hmm. uh, the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal National Historic Park has seen an 85% increase in visitation um, over the last uh, 15 years with a roughly 50% decrease in staff. So that's one example. What are your plans to try to 
uh, restaff re uh, the National Park Service. Thank, thank you, Senator. And we, we absolutely realize that this is an issue. Um, our budget includes $148.3 million across the National Park Service um, to support more than 1,100 additional full-time equivalents um, that would strengthen critical functions. Um, this includes funding to build park capacity, address critical operating responsibility at park units in Maryland. I know that I just came from Yellowstone, and um, there's always an issue with housing, too. You know, well, you probably saw the video of one of their, um, the staff housing floating into the river after the flood. So, um, so I know that, that housing is an issue for National Park Service staff as well. And so um, we're taking all these things into consideration and really trying to find solutions to make sure that we can have the folks where we need them. Well, I, we look forward to working with you. Um, I know the chairman um, and I think ranking member as well would like to see the National Park Service, um, you know, adequately staffed and continue to recruit um, skilled and talented uh, folks. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask you about the Chesapeake Gateways and Trails uh, program. Uh, this helps provide technical and financial assistance to the, the Bay watershed, uh, and we work to engage communities across the Chesapeake Bay uh, regarding conservation and important recreational opportunities, including better access uh, to the Chesapeake Bay. Um, it, the program is part of laying the groundwork uh, toward that larger effort that I, I mentioned, um, and make, which is to make the Chesapeake Bay a unit of the National Park Service. Right now, uh, this program, the Gateways program, uh, we've been successful at getting the annual appropriations, but it is not yet authorized. Would, would you, um, as the Secretary, support authorizing that program on an ongoing basis? Um, for the Gateways Trails program, our budget includes $3 million, and uh, of course, we, we support that. We, um, we love all our outdoor spaces, and we'll do whatever we can to help. Well, we appreciate that. I will be working with the, the chairman and others. I mean, this is the Appropriations Committee, uh, but we're working with the authorizers to, to get that fully authorized. But we appreciate the fact that that's in your budget. Uh, there is one important um, item regarding uh, the Bay that's not included uh, in your budget. It's called the Chesapeake Wild Program. It was a piece of legislation that I worked on with Senator Capito on a bipartisan basis. Um, it was included in the larger piece of uh, legislation a number of years ago. Uh, and it, it, it authorizes the Fish and Wildlife Service's ongoing participation. Uh, that did not include, that was, that was not included uh, in your budget appropriation uh, request. Can you assure us that you'll work with this uh, committee to make sure the Fish and Wildlife uh, Service continues to remain engaged? We'll be pressing for the continued appropriation, in fact, an increased appropriation for that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful program. Uh, there was $4 million available for these grants uh, that was funded through the 2022 appropriation. Um, we know that it's, um, it funds, uh, supports locally driven conservation, which is, um, it's, very important. So thank you. Yes. Um, I think the goals of this program are consistent with the administration's uh, move to ensure that we're conserving these spaces for Americans. 
Thank you. Um, while, you while I have you here, I also just want to uh, mention the important role that the U.S. Geological Service uh, plays uh, within the overall uh, Bay program. Uh, for example, the USGS Eastern Ecological Science Center uh, has provided us important information regarding migratory uh, birds um, and other native uh, and, and native species as well uh, at the Patuxent Research uh, Refuge in, in Laurel, Maryland. Um, do you have any thoughts on how we can increase the collabor collaborative efforts with respect to uh, US, the U.S. Uh, Geological Service as part of the Bay effort? I, I'll make sure that they reach out to all of you. Um, uh, I Absolutely. And yes, thank you for recognizing how important um, the USGS is to the work that we do. Um, we're happy to work with you. Uh, if you'd like me to have someone reach out to your staff, we can do that soon. That would be, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Madam Secretary, and thank you for all your good work. Thank you as well. Team. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Thank you very much, Senator Van Hollen. Uh, so we're going to uh, have a second round, but I also think Senator Tester is going to be here in a, a few moments. And uh, I just want to start by, by noting that the question was raised as to whether this administration has created a hostile uh, economic environment for oil and gas companies. And the short answer is that the uh, oil and gas companies made, just the American companies, $205 billion in net profits last year. Absolutely record-setting. The record-setting profits uh, this last quarter, massive stock buybacks, uh, and they've tripled their margins on refining. So they are truly gouging the American publics. And, and um, so uh, if we want to stop this gouging, the windfall, the big oil windfall profits tax is the way to do it. Uh, and that, uh, I invite any colleagues uh, who, are, who are as concerned as I am about the price of the pump to join us to stop this gouging by the oil companies of the American consumer. Uh, switching uh, uh, gears, um, I recently led my colleagues in urging the department to renew its commitment to the Western Oregon Operating Plan. This plan ensures a coordinated interagency approach to wildfire response between the state, the tribes, the communities, and BLM. This is so important that we put into the fiscal year 2022 omnibus direction requiring the BLM to maintain or expand the scope of that agreement, which means no shrinking of the agreement. But despite that, we keep hearing concerns from the Oregon governor, local officials, emergency managers, Oregon tribes, that BLM is seeking to shrink the scope of the agreement. Now, southern Oregon communities like Ashland and Medford have been repeatedly declared high-risk areas from wildfire by both federal and state agencies. And a couple of our southern Oregon communities, like Talent and Phoenix, were absolutely devastated in the 2020 wildfires that just devastated those, those towns. So will the department honor the requirement in 2022 fiscal year to make sure that this Western Oregon operating plan is maintained in its full scope and functionality. Chairman, thank you so much for the question. And uh, of course, the BLM remains committed to maintaining uh, the mutual aid response agreements for wildland fire management. Uh, we partnered, the BLM partnered with the Oregon Department of Forestry for 2022 and 2023 years, and they're, they're discussing currently 2024. Absolutely, and that discussion is being directed by what we put into 2022, uh, that it be maintained in its scope and functionality, 
and I want to make sure that I have your commitment that will honor that requirement in the 2022 bill to maintain the scope and functionality of that plan. Y yes, Senator. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. Absolutely. We're, we're, we understand. Fire is um, it's a top priority for our department across the board. So um, we, we understand how, how important this is, and, and I appreciate your concern as well. We're happy to work with you always. Well, I appreciate the commitment you've expressed to make sure it sustains its scope and, and functionality. Incredibly important uh, to, my, to my state. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to squeeze in one last uh, question before I turn this over to uh, uh, Senator Tester. Uh, the department has noted it's going to be considering a listing for the Monarch and the Endangered Species Act in the year 2024. Uh, that should send uh, a signal that we have two years to do everything possible to restore uh, the monarch, as I pointed out in the beginning. Uh, even after a big rebound, we have less than 1% of the historic number of, of monarchs. Uh, children are growing up uh, whose parents uh, saw these butterflies everywhere, never seen one, and uh, they play an important role as, as pollinators. We know that we have to massively increase the habitat, and we can use public lands, we can use uh, highways, we can use conservation agreements, uh, but we need to be able to populate those, those lands with both um, uh, flowers producing nectar uh, and uh, also milkweed for caterpillars. And those uh, flowers that produce nectar are great for all of the pollinators, so we have to uh, develop uh, a, a massive effort uh, to uh, restore uh, uh, flowers and milkweed. And uh, I know that uh, the department was just fabulous in uh, partnering on the Monarch Summit. Uh, this, of course, uh, uh, pollinator, uh, uh, nectar-producing flowers are so important to a whole range of pollinators, certainly uh, our bees as well. And uh, I just want to ask, will you continue to work over these two years before the to, to do everything we possibly can to massively increase uh, habitat uh, for the monarch and other, other pollinators. Thank you, Senator. Um, I appreciate so much your dedication to this. Um, so with the $4 million increase provided in 2022, just so that you know, um, the service will inventory and monitor pollinators, support on-the-ground projects for monarch habit habitat restoration, and stand up a new Office of Pollinator Conservation. Um, uh, of course, that funding also helped with the uh, Monarch Summit uh, for National Pollinator Week that we hosted along with you. And then our 2023 budget includes an additional $5 million increase for this work. Thank you. I look forward to continuing to press uh, forward on this. And uh, let's turn to Senator Tester. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I want to thank you, Secretary Holland. I uh, apologize for having to get here late, and if you had to extend this uh, hearing for me, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, but uh, we had a chair of Commerce Committee on the TSA director. At any rate, uh, I also want to thank you, Secretary Holland, for being in Montana last week. I believe it was a week ago tomorrow, as a matter of fact. I appreciate you being there. I appreciate you, your fast response and the fast response from this administration on the disaster that happened in southern Montana, a 24-hour disaster that caused a billion dollars worth of damage. Um, we got to see it together, and we got to see what the challenges are, and they are many. Um, one of the challenges is, is there's a temporary road between Cook City and Gardner, 
is there any hope to get that road uh, in a position where it could provide more than just essential services? This is the road from Gardner into the park? Into, yeah, basically into the to, park, that's correct. Um, yeah, so, um, so uh, I know that um, thanks to the $60 million recovery uh, from the relief fund of the Department of Transportation, um, they are working very hard. We drove on that road, in fact, when we were there, right. and they're working to expand it now okay. uh, so that it's two lanes rather than one. So I know that it takes a long time to make assessments when the damage is this uh, bad. Uh, from the folks you've talked to, and you may not be able to respond to this if you can't, I understand. Is there any hope to get getting access to the northern part of that par park open uh, before before the season ends? So, um, Senator, the, both the north and the south loop are open now. 93% of the park is open to visitors. We want visitors to visit. We want them to spend time in those communities right outside the parks. We want them to enjoy their summer. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, but but the, the ability to get there through the north end is severely limited. Is there any going to be any possibility of, of getting that north end open before the season's over? Uh, well, I, I'm happy to um, follow up with your staff as soon as we get a, a super recent um, uh, update okay. on that road. But I know they're working. I know they're working on it. And as far as I understand, um, both the north and the south loops are accessible. Okay. Um, Encourage folks to go on the website to figure out which gates sure. are open and 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 make sure they don't waste time for driving sure. somewhere they can't. So um, you're the last person I should have to talk about this because you understand the public safety crisis in Indian Country probably better than anybody else in the administration. Um, for years, um, through different administrations. I have heard from the Northern Cheyenne tribe about the BIA's failure to provide adequate law enforcement on that reservation. I don't think they're the lone example. I think um, <clears throat> they have some problems. I think most of it deals with manpower and deals with the prison availability. Um, the question is in this budget, is there adequate dollars to deal with the law enforcement challenges that occur in Indian country all across this country. I bring up Northern Cheyenne because Northern Cheyenne is probably in the greatest need right now. Mm -hmm. But the truth is I could be talking about any reservation in Montana, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Any of them uh, have challenges when it comes to law enforcement. So as you look at this budget, as we look at this budget, is this budget up to snuff when it comes to making sure that we have enough law enforcement to keep folks safe. Um, I, won't, I won't even go into missing and murdered in, indigenous people. Uh, I'll, I'll leave, I won't go into human trafficking. I won't go into any of that. I'll just go into just basic law enforcement. Do we have enough folks, enough money in this budget to deal with that? Senator, thank you for your dedication to this issue and really appreciated the opportunity to um, speak with tribes directly when I was there with you in Montana not too long ago. Um, and you're right, I do understand the challenges associated with um, 
making sure that we have folks on the ground in these areas. The 2023 budget request includes a total increase of $41 million um, for nationwide detention and corrections programs, which I know are also foundational, um, and public safety and justice facility construction. Um, I know that's half the battle. I, I know there's a lot of issues, and uh, we're working hard to um, to make sure that we can get folks on the ground in those areas. So, so, and you'll have to. I was listening, but I, I didn't hear it. So you'll have to repeat it. How much of those dollars that you just talked about? There's some for public safety construction, but how much of that is dedicated toward additional officers? Um, Let's see, uh, $282 million for criminal investigation and police support, uh, detention centers. Okay. So uh, I will get you that number. So you want to know you, how much for I, actual people yeah, so, I mean, on I, the ground? I think there is a case to be made, as you well know, for construction of facilities. You got to have some place. I mean, in, in Northern Cheyenne's case, if they can't get into the facility that holds nine people, they have to haul them a thousand miles. Okay, mm -hmm. um, but so there is a, there's a case to be made for public safety construction. There's also a, a case to be made for manpower. What I'm looking for, and I can have my staff dig this up, uh, truthfully, because it's not on my written sheet that they gave me. Mm -hmm. This is questions I want to know. I want to know how much of that budget uh, is for manpower over over what was put in the last budget, because I don't think static funding is going to get it done in Indian country. And the same thing on the construction end of things. And I hate building prisons. I hate it. I just think it's a waste of money. We got to be dealing with this long before we get to this point. But nonetheless, it's a necessary evil in my opinion. And so how much of that money is there for, for public safety construction? And I know there's some, but is it enough? As I mentioned, for public safety construction, um, $41 million. Okay. We will absolutely get you a number for the actual boots on the ground for people that we um, hire, yeah. and we'll get you that. Uh, okay. Today. Uh, uh, thank you, and I know you will, and I appreciate that. I, I think that as I look at these large land-based tribes in particular, and those are the ones I'm familiar with because those are the ones we have in Montana, Law enforcement is a continu continual challenge. By the way, water's a challenge, schools are a challenge, housings are a challenge. I mean, go down the list, and law enforcement is a challenge. So thank you very, very much. Yes, thank you, Senator. Thank you very much, uh, Senator Tester. And one of the issues I raised uh, earlier here in the hearing was that there are 32 tribes that are not receiving uh, any funding for law enforcement, though they fall under the same qualifications, and um, advocating that we try to start figuring out how to help those that, that, that have none while sustaining and increasing the support for the, the tribes that are receiving uh, some support. Madam Secretary, thank you for your testimony. And Ms. Flanagan, appreciate you being here to support that. Uh, and um, the record will remain open for members of the committee to submit uh, questions for the record or statements that they would like till July 20th. And of course, we'll get those questions for the record uh, to you and your team at Interior. What a breadth of issues uh, that we uh, uh, consider through the Department of Interior. Thank you for your hard work and your leadership and your entire team. And if there are no further comments, and seeing that I'm now alone, there are, are none, uh, this hearing is adjourned. <laughs>